This is an edited version of a live episode that we did for episode 69. There's a few audio troubles within it for some reason. We were new to this live streaming stuff, so I'm sorry about that. And I couldn't figure out how to turn the noises from Discord off. But it should, other than that, be quite a good episode. Sorry. Hello and welcome to this special live episode of 3T RPG Podcast. Live, live, Monday, Monday, Monday. This is a podcast all about tabletop RPGs and with me is Nick Lamley. I like pepperoni pizza. And of course we've got James Clark here. Hello! Today's episode is a Discord live podcast where we'll be taking input from the listeners via text and voice chat. We encourage the listeners to jump into the voice chat anytime they feel they have something to say and to share their thoughts in the text chat. We're doing a special yeah. because it's episode 69, basically, because it's a funny number. Funny I don't, number. Okay, if you are going to jump into the chat, I can see the problem already. Um, make sure you're not using your chainsaw or leaf blower or whatever that noise was. But anyway, before we get on the sh- on with the show, let's talk about rad dudes, okay? Ace B, Julian Burnick, Ryan Wahab, and Jason Duncan all pledge $10 a month at the Dreadlord level on our Patreon and are part of our Dark Army. Head over to patreon.com th- forward slash 3 RPG podcast to join too. We have plenty of tiers for folks of all shapes and sizes. Oh, guess yes. what? Guess what, lads? I've, we've got a fucking jam-packed show today. You wouldn't believe so, we, yeah, we've got feedback, oh, we've got news punch, what you saying, we've got the main subject, which this time is going to be player investment, and then a very special live electro letters, where we're going to talk about the weirdest players you and we have ever encountered. Shall we do this, boys? Let's. Well, maybe. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah. We take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So the first feedback comes in from who said that this can only end well? Well, the jingle was playing. Who do you think? Who do you think, Mr. Lean? Of course, Mr. Lean. Oh my God, he's probably already lean. He's probably drinking some lean, and he's had some weed, and he's lean. (laughs) Um, But yes, first bit. Shut the fuck up for one second, Christ! Do you think you're a host on this podcast, James? Yeah, sorry. Oh. Oh, no, you are, actually. I've just looked at my records. It turns out you are. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah, the first feedback comes in from Hello Alex Roberts, who says, Thank you so much for putting this up. Talking about the episode we did about The Beast, an erotic game about having sex with The Beast. And he says, The Beast is one of my favourite games, and I wish it got more attention. I think we've discovered a good way to sort of figure out who the weirdos are in any internet community, right? Because... This guy, he comes out and he just says the Beast is one of my favourite role-playing games. Shall we give his, yeah. his details over to the FBI now, or when he's eventually <laughs> caught? Oh, were we meant to? Were we meant to like discuss that? I already did. Just, I just find it funny that that um, somebody's being so open about being into the Beast. It wasn't that fucking good. It's one of his favourite games, above D and D, above Savage Worlds, 
above. Well, we chess. don't know what he's, we don't know what he, we don't know what, he, what he's played. He's other he's, the other games that he's played. So maybe he's only played the beast because then it's then it wins by default. Best <laughs> game, <laughs> yeah. I think the next hmm. feedback is actually um, is actually one of the best ones we've had. This one comes in from Rosha Latricia, and she, she says, "Hi, looking for hookup with a stranger, ready for any experiments." <laughs> I'm completely naked. Want to see the photos? You want to see my boobs? My name is Honeybaby2 on the site hotmail.icu. Oh, yes! It's a spam. It's a bot, James. Uh-uh. I got boner for nothing. So, um, Owen Lean comes in and he says, I've had a thought. Dangerous, I know. But I think you guys should do a bonus content on drugs. Now, it doesn't mean on drugs. He means about drugs. And he says, as in gaming under the influence. Not just cons, but also pros. Like what drugs actually enhance the experience. What games work well on drugs. It's a subject that's crying out to be covered and nobody else will do it. I don't think we can just go around telling people to take drugs, can we? Can we? I don't think so. No, isn't it about... No, mm, yeah, we can. Can we? <laughs> okay. Yeah. James is based on Tom, do they? What's that? This is the kind of shit we have to put up with. Vice.com do, I said. Thank you, Owen. Thank you. Jesus Christ. What is he talking through? A potato? He's talking through a fucking... Um, yeah, he's talking to a Coca-Cola can. Anyway, yes. Thank you for the suggestion, Owen. Um, it probably is not going to happen because none of us do drugs. Wink. Just in case you're listening, FBI. No, we really don't. Um, but I was thinking about like if we were to perhaps do legal highs, maybe drink a gallon of cough syrup, maybe huff some petrol. <laughs> huff some petrol. Yeah. That way we, we can't get in trouble because we're just advising people, oh, I, I think... You know, well, what goes best with Lamentations of the fl- Flame Princess? It's a nice unleaded, and um... <laughs> a gallon of petrol. No, there is something quite special about the smell of petrol, though. I used to love it as a kid when we used to like go to the petrol station. As a kid, yeah. Not like you know, go out and, and procure petrol, but just yeah, so yeah. all we need you to do then, Nick, is next episode we're gonna we're gonna get you to just smell the smell that you already like. Just do a really big smell and a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Theo Ruff shut up Theo Ruff he says great job on the Mork Bog review after reading the book I thought about writing you because I liked it so much and had a hunch you'd enjoy it too but then got lazy ha anyway I'd like to know how it feels compared to old school essentials also is it still worth to invest in old school essential books after running DCC Lamentations and Mork Bog just like to hear your take so as the person that's GM'd all of these, except for Morg Borg, kind of the reason that I got Old School Essentials was because it's it was the only sort of OSR game or the best presented OSR game that doesn't have any gimmicks. It's just the straight up classic stuff just re-explained and reorganized into a way that makes a lot more sense. I love DCC, but I we were we've converted our D&D 5e game from, you know, D&D 5e into OSE and it seems like a better fit. If suddenly we had people rolling on magic tables and blowing each other's heads off by accident, I feel like I feel like it would be it wouldn't fit with our current campaign that we were playing, so that's kind of why I ordered it. Um DCC to me feels like it's best for gonzo stuff and for stuff that you don't mind getting a bit wacky and off the rails and things like this. Whereas Morkborg, I think, is is just the themes and story are built so into the book that it has to be used to play in that world, really. So, 
that's kind of my answer. OSC is just my go-to fantasy system, like basic fantasy system when I don't. I want something without gimmicks, when I want to insert my own gimmicks, if you see what I mean. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, I like all of these games, and actually, the one I've sort of dropped off with quite a lot was Lamentations. As much as I like it, I hate the skill system. I fucking hate it. You have one or two dots on a dice, and you roll it, and you see which one... If, if you get, like, the one or two, then you do the skill, right? And it, it, on the surface, it seems like it kind of makes sense, but it's just when in OSE, for example, you have that for certain skills, like find traps, and it means that if you get a bonus, it counts for a lot more because then you've got a three and six chance, etc., etc. But they did that for all the skills and lamentations. And what ended up happening was that anybody that had skills, they were basically useless and they never succeeded at anything. And it kind of got a bit dull when it was like okay you don't succeed anything also it's really easy to die and people are dying left right and center and it just kind of pissed me off i i don't know if i want to like play an rpg to be a useless idiot because i'm one in real life (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, exactly don't do it in your free time if you can do it all the time um fair enough yeah mate but what what do you guys think i mean james you've played a bit of ose now how do you think it compares to dcc and lamentations i think it's really sort of like dynamic in terms of like it's really easy to fit so much to it whereas i think um i mean dcc has definitely got that as well but this some this does it's got like a certain um it's got like a certain you know difference to it where it's kind of i feel like it's a lot easier to cater for a lot more things you know what i mean yeah i mean here's the thing like the DCC as much as I love it one of the things I dislike about making material for it is like try coming up with a patron on the fly for example which can happen or a spell and it's got all of these abilities all of these um, tables and things like this yeah you could just rebrand another one but it's not quite the same if I if I pull out a wizard out of my arse who's attacking the party and then I say he's got some magic item that does this you know I can just I can just give the players that item in OSC and DCC Every all of the spells have a table and things like that, and that's why I think I yeah. prefer DCC when I'm playing it with just you two, which is a bit weird, but it cuts down on a lot of that bookkeeping and stuff like that. So yeah. like, I suppose it's all it's all everything has a, a nice place. It all depends what you yeah. fancy, really. Exactly, they're all good. That's the, that's the good thing. It's a nice place to be when you're uh, spoilt for choice with good stuff. Precisely, yeah. And and to be fair, that I I think I like all of them equally, except for Lamentations, which I prefer the modules to the actual game. Um, but that's basically it for feedback. So uh, let's get on with some news, shall we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I realise this is the third time in a row I've not been ready with the jingle. So here we go. News. Oh yeah, news punch. Morkborg has hidden content within its pages. See, I'm trying to read them like headlines. Do you see what I mean? like it yeah i like that it's got a bit of style so what do i mean by this a black light can be used to view extra details on the pages of mork borg i tried to see if anybody has done this and put it on youtube but nobody has just yet so i've ordered a black light and it's now a race the first person that can get one to put the content out there but yeah um so i've ordered a black light i don't know what's in the pages i just heard from someone in the biz that it has hidden content if you use a black light on it. And I'm pretty scared for what will happen if I start pointing that black light at places around my house. Mm, don't do it. I know, <laughs> it's just going to be depressing, isn't it? I may it? have so, visited there recently without your knowledge. <laughs> oh, so how did that stain, how did that get on the ceiling? 
You know, it's like you that type of thing. You ever seen people do yeah. it in like hotel rooms? It's it's fucked up. Oh no, because I have. It's just it's just like you you sometimes see it on programs where it's like we're gonna go undercover and investigate this hotel and they'll put a black light all over the place and like this is semen, this is blood, this is piss, and it's just it's everywhere. It's like uh, it's, <laughs> so yeah. Next time you're in your comfy hotel room, don't bring a black just remember light. Remember that, and don't think about it either. <laughs> yeah, 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 don't remember it specifically. Don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so somebody wrote. Oh, Nick, you wrote this. Also, I found the spine gas extra glow in the dark letters along it. It does. Oh, whoops. Has that was meant to be? Yeah, it does. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, what does it say? What do these letters yeah. say? Do they tell you to do things, I don't know, Nick? Actually. To be fair, they're in between the Mork Borg letters. Um, yeah. If you got it, you can see it along the spine. Yeah, I've got it with me, but Just I can't reach out. the light switch. Um, so we'll leave that. But listen, that's up to you. If you wanna, if you wanna go and put your Stand in the dark with a book, Morg book. That's up to you. But anyway, speaking of that awesome RPG, they're launching a zero percent cut license under the banner of Make Your Own Miseries, meaning you can make and sell content for Morg Borg, and they won't take a cut of it whatsoever. The stipulations are. Oh, and you're back. Um, the stipulations are that you cannot use any of the logos of the publishers, but can use the Morkborg logo. And you can reuse the prophecies of the two-headed basilisk, but none of the other text. And they actually said in the press release for this that you're allowed to pretend that your product is an official one. Good, lads. I know. It's nice to see It's nice to see those types of things. Like, How much is it that Savage yeah. um, Worlds and Pinnacle take off you for their products? It's like 40% or something like this. Oh, I don't know. I can see. See, I'm friends with Shane Hensley on Facebook, and I can see why he takes so many holidays to Jamaica. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, yeah. So next one is uh, Borderlands RPG announced. Does anyone here a fan of Borderlands? Yeah. Yeah, I played a bit. Yeah, I played a bit too. So it was it was very unfunny, um, but tried very hard to be funny. But anyway, Bunkers and Badasses, a game from within the universe of Borderlands, is being made, and this apparently comes from a quest line in the games from a DLC adventure called Tiny Tina's something or other. But the, yeah, anyway, it's the, the this character called Tiny Tina um, runs the player through a game of Bunkers and Badasses in the in Borderlands, and now so they're making that into a real thing, and. Basically, many of the elements in the DLC adventure are based on stuff in the actual like game world. So the RPG takes place in a fantasyified version of the Borderlands universe, basically. Now, here's okay. what's interesting about this. I know it's not interesting at all yet because it's whatever it's Borderlands. And let me just let me just give you a choice nugget of humor from the Borderlands uh, universe. So there's one quest where there's a guy called Shooty McFace, and you have to shoot him in the face. Is anyone <laughs> laughing? Well, I'm laughing at it, not with it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's it, that's why this will probably be shit. But it's funny because the creative team behind this uh, RPG include Kirsty Pitchford, now who is I'm assuming related to proven liar and gaming criminal Randy Pitchford of uh, of Two K Games, right? So I wonder how she got that job. Um, and another one is Kathy Brown, who's worked as an editor on magazines, presumably tabletop ones, I hope, anyway, and a guy that has played but never designed an RPG. So, for, you know, so you've got the Sounds boss's good. wife, somebody who has who's written a magazine, Hello Magazine, and somebody that's never even been near a designing process. So I think it's going to be fucking brilliant. I'm actually really looking forward to that. 
I can't wait. It's my, it's, you know, I've saved a lot of money in uh, during the pandemic, and um, that's what I'm going to be spending it. That's on. You're going to blow it on Borderlands RPG, bunkers and badasses. So that's a, that that is like a take on on Dungeons and Dragons. Then, okay. yeah, yeah. It's uh, and I don't know if you noticed, Nick, but it's it's very witty. It's it's a very witty thing oh. to do. <laughs> Sharp. <laughs> Mind flayers are considered to be too scary. A website called scary. <laughs> a website called Geek Native recently did a competition to win a tote bag with a picture of a mind flayer on it, and I'm gutted I didn't win that. But to win yeah. said bag, participants were asked to vote on a poll as to whether or not they found the brain sapping monster, the Illithid or mind flayer, to be appropriate for Dungeons and Dragons. Now we've seen the designed by committee nineties aesthetic that Wizards of the Coast have been going for recently, so it's no wonder then that a significant portion of the D and D players found mind flayers to be too scary for D and D. But I want you guys to guess, Nick and James, what are we saying? What are we saying? What percentage of players found mind flayers too scary for the game? Uh, I'm just shocked there was a level. There was even a level to be too scary. Well, okay. Um, I don't know. I, I would like to think. 10 percent i'm gonna say like 0.5 percent okay fair enough um actually nick you hit the nail on the nail's head it was 10%. oh really 10 percent. i mean but when you think about it, it doesn't sound like a large number but that's that's quite a lot of players that are basically you know crying baby wimps i'd like to know what else is uh, too scary for their game um i don't know snacks going outside what about, blue. What about like you're just playing and then you know something wrote, like on the fly happens it's like no way way well 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 not in my game mate what do you mean yeah well i mean scary. You... I don't know, you walk around the corner and <laughs> there's something that the, the, the person doesn't like well i imagine the type of like... player that says that mind flares are too scary will probably object to quite a lot you know it'd be like you turn a corner and there's your father he's holding a lovingly baked pie and a, and a set of flowers for you and then they're like oh too scary Right, so, you made me jump. Um, I wasn't expecting it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. actually, there, just like ah! also, also, let's think about <laughs> the original Monster Manual, or or, is, or even the current one, right? And how many more scary things there are in there? Flesh golems, for example, are really scary. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's nasty. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just the thing, the mind flayer. I think to an extent, if you look at the tote bag that was that was done in this competition as well, they can be adorable. So, although they're not really, are they? They eat your mind. So, um, but that's it for news, guys. Mr. Irwin did write in our chat that Savage Worlds and DTRPG um, take forty percent cut between them. Okay. All right. Between. Still takes the piss, though, doesn't it? A bit. I think it, maybe if it was ten percent each. At least then you're getting like yeah. a decent share of your own product. Yeah, I know. I think it's a bit of a it's shit show for licensing. I think it would be like you know, if you pay for the license for a year, oh, ten percent savage and thirty percent DTRPG. Fucking hell, DTRPG. It's them then. That is it for news. So let's get on to the main. No, let's go on to no. What you've been slaying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah? What you slaying? <laughs> a funny jingle, I'm sure you'll agree. Welcome to What You've Been Slaying, <laughs> where we talk about what we've been playing. Um, so, uh, our Fandolin game, Old School Essentials, is still continuing, and essentially, um, we just did a, a, an episode, or a murder mystery episode, but to give you a bit of uh, 
bit of background. Basically, there's an apocalypse happening, and the team need to track down the three gods that live on the same plane of existence as them, get their three items, save the world. And they're just on the item for the sea element, and uh, as they're as they're leaving port on their new boat, which by the way is made of stone, and I'm fully aware that doesn't work, but it's magic, so shut up. Um, so basically, uh, yeah, they they leave on this boat, and as they get out to sea, there's been a murder on board, and um, yeah, it's <laughs> they. We basically did this whole thing when they were role playing and meeting a bunch of new characters, and then um, after they met them, they go to bed for the night, and they hear a loud gunshot on board. They go to the captain's room; he's lying dead. And a policeman on board basically says that he wants to... He's like, okay, the sails are going down. We're not going anywhere until this murder is solved. And, and you're responsible. You're the four legendary celebrity heroes of the world. Um, solve this mystery. And they were like, well, why not you? And he's like, well, I'm not a homicide detective. I'm a beat cop. And I'm on my holiday. So, yeah. Essentially, the guys had to solve a murder on board. Um, and before they could actually get to their destination. But the the interesting thing about all of it was, is when I write up like mystery type adventures, what I do is I just write a timeline of events that, that kind of happened, and then it's up to the players to piece it together by talking to the right people, finding the clues, things like this. Yeah. Nice. It was a bit mad, because one of the, um, basically, the, the captain actually faked his own death and was trying to get um, trying to get away from a gang that was stalking him. Um, so he was taking the longest journey he possibly could to another continent, and also faked his own death on board just to make doubly sure. Um, so he <laughs> mutilated. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. They basically mutilated the the captain mutilated this this um, one of the slaves from the, the the decks below and and switched bodies with him and then sort of got into a shipping container in the in the storeroom which he was sending a bed to uh, Naywan, basically another continent and he was just ha- in there happily lying in the bed and once they figured it all out they they kind of went to the store and opened it up and he's in there and he's like ah you found me i'll tell you me dastardly tale <laughs> it was it was very funny i'll tell you what it was really bloody difficult because obviously we were sort of going around and we were making our own assumptions we were like oh maybe it's you know oh maybe it's um the cook because i had a, an argument about ham but he's he was a simpleton i was just like well no, it can't be him because he's a simpleton and, and bless him, he's... Yeah, so you know, I, ma- I made sure that, like, like, proper Agatha Christie style, I made sure that pretty much every member on board had a motive for wanting to kill him as well. And, um, you know, there was nice. one clue that you guys didn't pick up on. You did see it, but you didn't pick up on it because basically often when people are shot or when they're killed or whatever, they will um, soil themselves. But if there's nothing left inside them, of course they won't, right? And they, they at one point they investigated the poop deck and the toilet was all clogged um, with shit. And the... Um, the yeah the the uh, guy who cleans the poop deck was like oh that's one of the captain's trademark shits absolutely gigantic and but the body had soiled itself so it couldn't have been the captain because he'd taken a shit just before the murder had happened so it was like I put in loads of little details like that and there was a, of course there was a point where um, he tried to throw the murder weapon up, um, overboard as well and it got caught up in a, a net on the side of the boat and um, shot through the side of the boat injuring somebody else as well so it was like a really weird like there was a lot of twists and turns to it but ultimately I think it I think it went kind of well it got to the point where the guys were literally sitting there confused they were talking about well did a monster come on board and do it and things like this and I was like <laughs> nice <laughs> but we did have um, we did have well, I can't remember what it's called Nick but you know in that um, investigative trope where they have um, you know it's like where everyone does like a round table talk at the end and they're in like a parlour and there's always somebody standing by a fire with a glass of whiskey 
Oh, well, when they're going for, when they're like the, when the the detectives like explaining to everybody how he fi- figured it all out and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the sort of pacing around the room and everyone's in yeah. there, you know. Yeah, we we kind of had a bit like yeah. that because yeah, one of the characters as soon as they sort of figured out the murder, Stanley, one of the characters, he goes, "Let's go to the parlor." And then so they went to the parlor <laughs> and that. Uh, well, they didn't. They actually went out on deck, but yeah. It was pretty fucking you know. cool, all told. But yeah, um, so that was pretty much it. That's what we've been doing. We kind of did the uh, the murder mystery um, episode, and, and that, that's pretty much what's happening. Now they've got one more item. Well, I've actually got two more items left to get, because one of their previous characters from the campaign is now an evil sort of dark lord, and he's nicked the second item, and he's got it in his base. Oh, so next week... so we... bloody annoying. It really... Who's yeah, this? Uh, Norman Fiend. Oh, right, yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah, he's the main one, bad now, man. He's he's the main bad, and um, yeah, so he's got this. Nice. Uh, the 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 country's military have scouted out his lair, and they know where the item is. Um, so next week, the guys have been given control of the army, and they're gonna um, mount an, a, a huge oh. attack on his base to try and get it back. Showdown. So, should be Decent. fucking cool. Yeah, I hope yeah, it is. mate, it sounds fun. I hope it is. People are talking about what they've been playing in the chat as well. That's a good idea. That's oh, a good very idea. Very nice. Do we have to talk about it? I don't think we do. I don't think we need to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, sad I sounded. But I like that um, somebody by the name of Malachi has been playing an index card RPG Judge Dread, which sounds fucking awesome. I love index oh, card RPG. I love I love I was nearly said Dark Dread for some reason. Judge Dread. Nick, you read through you've read through Morkborg yourself. Do you have any um, extra thoughts to share on it that weren't in our episode? I did. Uh, no, not thoughts. I, I mean, I did read through it. Yeah, so I treated myself last weekend and read it from uh, front to back and thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, yeah, it's a cracker. Um, not really, probably gone over most of it, but a couple of bits I really enjoyed. I loved the uh, the maps cracking. I love the place called Galgenbeck. Yeah. Um, the the, uh, the city. Um, there was one particular thing that I absolutely loved. You know, on the um, backstories where it says, like, throw a knife at this page to give your party a joint backstory or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The one that made me really chuckle was uh, at permanent war with all Corvids, no contact without some violence, you carry a sling. And I can just picture like someone in the party walking into every town and all the crows and magpies just going fucking mental at him and attacking him. So that really made me giggle with the Corvid war. Yeah, because it, um, be, it could be that your character's got a curse and that's why that's happening. Or it could yeah. quite simply be that you guys have got just a very particular stench about you that they really don't like. I really don't like it. That gave me a good giggle. <clears throat> um, the you know the little traits and stuff that you can roll to give your characters a little bit more, you know, little quirks and things like that. I really liked. You know, uh, one they make you sick though. Some of them. I mean, you know, you pick your nose so deep it bleeds. Um, ah. <laughs> pretty grim. And the uh, the um, arcane catastrophes was an absolute fantastic read. Hilarious. <laughs> All the things I, that can I go wrong. You... And I love the idea where it's got the little bit in um, pink next to like the main effect and that's for like the GM and they don't happen straight away and it's like some of them are like kind of latent and stuff and it's a, yeah, it's just a very good read. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Because um, I guarantee you, you know when you get the um, arcane um, catastrophes, I guarantee you, right, because you've got the bit they know immediately and then one that comes out gradually that you don't tell them about, you know, like you might have your head might grow to an enormous size but you also start yeah. um, pissing skittles. I don't know. But the point is, yeah. is that um, you know that if you drop that on them three games later, they're gonna they're gonna think it's something that happened that night that that caused the extra effect. You know, like the glowing or whatever. So yeah. that's what yeah, I find really funny. 
you did you did give an observation though that I thought was quite worth talking about. Um, you mentioned that uh, so at some parts the font is difficult to read, and uh, I actually agree. It took me some getting used to. Once you've read a couple of pages, it's fine, but it does take some yeah, getting used absolutely. to. It. It's, when it's, I opened the first page and uh, was reading the kind of intro bit, I was like, oh, no, am I going to struggle with this whole thing? And there's a couple of bits we have to look at it a few times. It's probably just me being a div, but um, no, no, you definitely get used to it. Three, four pages in and it's fine. You can figure it out. It's pretty good. Um, hang on a minute. And, uh, and the, the, <laughs> did anyone else just see that? Yeah, I saw that. Okay, so that's that's unfortunate. There's a visual element to some of this. But yes, we've got um, quite a few people listening in live to this. And we've just seen one of them just share his camera and he's on a tube. I don't know who that was. I don't know who that was, but it was it was weird. And it looked like it was an accident too. So um, <laughs> whoever just did that. Oh, it was Pumba, Pumba wicked. <laughs> Boom, successful. I put my finger on the uh, what it is that I like the most about the entire product. Yeah, go on. The yellow and black. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, it's vivid. It's beautifully, yep. beautifully vivid. It's and such a clever it move, and it's it. it's striking, you know. And it's funny because Ooh. on a shelf where everything else is going to trying to be dingy by being grey and brown, yep. and, you know, it it stands out, and it manages to be more dingy by having something a bit more striking, and and it's something that you look at and go, Ugh. like the cover art. Yeah, exactly. Even for, you look at it and like. Usually, I wouldn't show somebody, um, you know, a book and be like, "Look at this cool fantasy art," because you sound like a fucking knob, right? But in this particular case, it is pretty rad, right? The, the yeah, front no, cover. This is this is definitely one of them that you would uh, actually happily go. Look at this! This is great. Oh no, definitely. I, I've I've shown it to my brother-in-law, and uh, when I showed my wife when it got delivered, um, even she was like, "Wow, yeah, that's cool." Straight away, just one look at the cover and was like, "Yeah, that looks wicked." So nice. Yeah, well, that's saying something. Mark on this one. So I picked up a couple of things actually. I got um, uh, I I got older, right? And I uh, had a birthday, and my mother kind of very kindly sent me some money to get get some things. And I got um, I got a couple of products. One one of which uh, by Zach S. Sorry, um, but he he did um, frostbitten and or mutilated, right? Which I think what is a really sh- um, yeah exactly. It's and or. Um, not a lot of people know that. You have to look at it through a black light to see the slash or. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is basically it's it's kind of a companion book to Vornheim, uh, the complete city kit. Um, and this is kind of a snowy, mountainous setting kit, if that could be such a thing, like a, almost like a barbarian setting kit um, for snowy regions. Okay. So you know, yeah, like yeah, S- cool. Skyrim-esque. I think the name is shitty because mm-hmm. I can't remember what what the area is called, but it's called like the Coldlands or something like that. And that would have been a fine title for a book but instead he called it frostbitten and mutilated because james raggy wants to be extreme all the time and uh that's pretty much the only criticism i have artwork's amazing obviously because he's done it the writing's really fucking good and it's got a bunch of tables in there which is pretty much the best thing about about those loads of tools loads of tables that's that's what i like about zach s's books uh, yeah you know say what you will about the man but um, yeah, it's fucking awesome. One of the things I, that cr- kind of cracked me up about it was that there's sort of a uh, almost like um, you know the beginning of ICRPG. It's got this thing that's like the oath that GM needs to take. It's got kind of a thing like that in Frostbitten and Mutated, and it's like think of the thing you hate the most, really picture it in your mind, really bring it forth, and now feel the rage as you want to smash its face in, and then just put that to one side because you're playing a game with your mates and but remember that just remember that when the monsters turn up right it's kind of like that and i just love that it was just 
yeah. it's like so funny and and awesome. And uh, I also picked up another Lamentations product, which I haven't had the chance to look at yet. But I got Veins of the Earth, if you can believe such Fuck a thing. Out of yeah. print, very Big rare. Boy. Yeah, very highly sought after. And this is yeah, this is um, it's basically the the um. Lamentations of the Flame Princess version of the Underdark. So this is like um, networks and networks of caverns that are just you know beneath the Earth's surface where Drow come from, Duragar, Svarv, Neblins, and um, this is like their darkenized you know horrible version of it. I hadn't had a chance to look at it, but it looks fucking cool. And also, what I appreciate is it looks like a book like a normal person would have. So maybe people will look at my bookshelf and not think I'm a loser. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's, that's a respectable one you could have on a bookshelf in a study. Because you know, I don't give a shit about my you know my family knowing what I do and that I dress. I don't dress up as a wizard. I don't know why I said that. That I pretend to be a wizard <laughs> uh, in games and stuff, right? But when my landlady comes round and she sees my shit and I, I see her giving me some looks, man. <laughs> Checking. Oh it out. no! Actually, once she did talk about it because. Um, I was busy preparing for a game. I think it, I had like an hour before it was happening and I had a few bits to do, so I, I couldn't stop doing it. She came round and um, Millie told her about it and she was like, isn't that just like really sad? Like all of you rolling dice in a basement and being really sad. And I was like, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, she's, she's not wrong, wow. though. That's the trouble. Not sad. <laughs> not sad. No, I think it's awesome, obviously. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. But um, I think in the eyes... Of my landlady. Actually, f- another funny story uh, about her, and we will get on to some RPG chat, but funny thing happened. She came round once, okay, and our, our um, downstairs neighbours are Albanian, and they were making a lot of noise, and um, my landlady kind of went, fucking Eastern Europeans, right? They're fucking lazy, they make too much noise, and I hate them, and all of this. And um, <laughs> my wife just went, oh, Harrison's a quarter Polish. And my landlady just went, hard workers though, aren't they? They're really great. Great worth it. It's just like instantly ch- changed, turned on a dime. Oh, it's fucking funny. Well, that's it for wow. what we've been playing and a story about my landlady. Does anyone want to? <laughs> anyone want to get onto a main subject? Shall we? Yeah, I think it's about time. Oh yeah, fuck! I forgot the jingle. Usually we just sort of pause for a second. Shut the fuck up! All of my flubs are going to be cut out of the the eventual podcast anyway. This yeah. actually happens every week, doesn't it? You fluff the jingles every single week and cut them. Yeah. Yeah. That was so aggressive. Because well, of the noise. I wasn't here for the beginning. Did I miss a bit that said that we're not actually meant to turn our mics off mute and talk to you? Because I'm no, sorry. No, if, if anything, if anything, you're encouraged to do it. Everyone is welcome to speak whenever they feel like it. Well, for fuck's sake. Great. Someone else can walk Harrison a cunt for once, then, will they? Uh, Owen, Owen, you sound like you're on, on fucking pirate radio. Yeah, where are yeah. you? You sound like you're inside a cassette tape. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm trying to get my daughter to go to sleep by uh, by walking around in a park while listening to this and apparently shouting cunt quite loudly because that's that's good for a for a one year old. Yes. If you're well. if you're wheeling your baby around in a park in London at night, the only thing you're going to get is kidnapped. So um yeah um all right well I'm going to play the jingle now. Shut up everyone. Shut Main. up. Subject ma- magic. Main. Subject Tokyo. Main. Subject. Subject. I mean, why actually do you play the jingle? You're just going to put it indifferently in the post anyway, aren't you? So what actually is the point of it? Owen, oh, okay. they're, uh, Owen, they're very angry about the 
about me editing the podcast. I only see when I did. We had Owen on as a guest, right? We had him on for the Deadlands episode. Very good episode. Very funny, very witty. Um, but anyway, yes, that was a good episode. But Owen's upset because we cut a lot of the bits where he was expressing his racist views and um, also <laughs> saying about how much he hates women. Yeah, that's true. That's Christ almighty, Owen, don't turn your microphone on. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, this is the main subject, by the way, just in case anyone's lost track. Whether you're playing a deep intrigue heavy campaign or a three-part monster slaying adventure, you want your players to feel as if they want to be part of your world, to get immersed into its story and characters, and to feel as if they need to come back week after week to see how their plans and actions are manifesting. And even for one-shots, getting your players to fully buy into the adventure and to be enthralled for the four hours of play. Player investment. The act of a character become player or character becoming hooked into the game is one of the most important parts of RPGs. It's what drives the game and keeps the wheels turning. So how do you do it? Well, today we're going to share our tips for getting players invested. Hear your tips. Talk about what we look for as players, and then touch tips at the end. The things that draw us. We're going to talk about the things that draw us in and make us feel like we're part of the game slash game world. Let's start with me, shall we? That's how I like it. Um. Because recently, right, the the, couple, the few campaigns that I've run recently, we, it's all been about making downtime a big thing, right? So if you want to get the players invested in a world and get them hooked in, I'm talking about literal investments. That's what you need, right? Because in my games, downtime is one of the most important parts um, to the campaign and to player investment, right? So... After the adventure, you kind of discuss what they do with the spoils of their adventure and uh, what they can buy, things like this. And this is really how you make an interesting game world because, A, now when they go out, they've got something at risk. If the world is ending, right, if you turn up day one and you're like, okay, session one, the world's ending, you've got to save it. Well, they might just go, well, fuck, it. why doesn't somebody more capable do it? If you go, the world is ending, your, your zoo is going to get smashed or the pub that you own is going to be destroyed then suddenly they, they get a little bit more invested in it. Do you know what I mean? And there's also like oh, yeah. little plot lines that you can do with their investments. Like, for example, at the moment, we've got refugees coming into the um, character's zoo and town. And as a result, um, yeah, there's a food, food shortage, which they're trying to, trying to kind of get over and trying to sort out. So as a result, I think, you know, giving the characters things to invest their money in, right? How often do you do you end up in a game where characters have too much money, right? And they go to the shop and they're like, "Yeah, I can just buy everything this person owns," you know. But give them things to buy, such as businesses, investing in stuff, um, auctions. I don't know all this types of shit, shit that they can they have to tend to and come back to later. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, because I know Nick, you kind of did this in your Destiny game as well, where downtime was a big part of it, and it was all about building up like sort of coming back to storylines we'd started before at the base so yeah we're saving the world yeah we're stopping all these beasts but there's also a plot line with you know my brother's character's girlfriend going on in the bar <laughs> in the bar working yeah and him working a part-time job on the side um, yeah 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 it's fun it's it, it's it's exactly that it means that you can switch it as well because i worry a bit sometimes a gym that you don't want to do too much of the same stuff adventuring all the time because you worry that you know the you know, players might not tell you but you worry is it too is it too much of the same and if you 
if you open up the downtime, it, feel, it, it it kind of really gives them an opportunity to do what they want to do, and then you can kind of live off that. It's yeah, it's cool. I love downtime. That's a that's a good point, and you know, like um, it, it means that when they're coming back to town and wrapping up those things, also as a GM, it's the point where you go right, okay, the rails are off. And let you guys do yeah. whatever the fuck you want, and often some of the funniest shit comes out of that too. Because oh, look at like I mean, th- there was a time recently where my brother's character Stanley, he's married to James's character Dee Dee, and um, yeah, they they basically came back from an adventure, and it was Dee Dee's birthday, and so Stanley wanted to surprise her, so he goes right, I've I'm I'm setting up a meal right in a romantic location. I said, okay, where's that? And he goes in the woods. And then he, he uh, okay, roll to see how well you set up this meal, get him to roll something. And then he fails, uh, crit fails, I believe. So he goes mm-hmm. back, yeah, he gets his good. wife, turns back up at the woods where he set up this meal, and it's been savaged by Fucking wolves. Eight hour journey through the woods to get the kids, the kids were complaining the whole way there. Exactly. I mean, you know what kids are like when you're in a car with them. Think about having to make them walk four hours through the fucking woods. So, yep. yeah, in the end, what happens was is that, um, yeah, the, the, the picnic got savaged by wolves, obviously, because he left it there. And then uh, they hear a howl uh, uh, and, and it's night and then they have to start running away from wolves. You see, that's a situation yeah. that was hilarious at the time and also um, came about because you just take the wheels off and let them do their downtime. Yeah. And it also yeah. told us a bit more about their relationship. So there's that investment there where the players now well, feel a our bit relationship of... is now like fully like developed, and there's so much about our relationship on the table at the minute. Like, like literally so much. We are we have actual marital issues going on in the well, game at the moment, and it comes up, and it is amazing because obviously yeah. we're just role playing it at the table, and then. You know, everyone knows about it, and they're trying to chime in and chip in their comments. And there's other people that don't know about, it and they're like, "What's going on with you two? And then me and Sean, mostly me, because I'm I'm uh, really annoyed at, um, at his character at the minute, and uh, um, yeah, I'm being really, really angry at him. But it's great. It is actually great. well. This is this is what I'm saying. You know, like, but the downtime aspect, like. Yeah, you've also, mostly what you've done in your downtime is invest in things and try to improve your businesses. And so you kind of want to see how those investments pay off. But in addition to that, once you are you feel like you're up to date with something, that then we do these, you know, character moments. And it's kind of like either an interlude, a flashback, or some sort of character building. And it's exactly as you said, James. Now you've, your relationship is so detailed that by default really you're going to be more invested in your character you want to see how she goes because you put a lot of effort and a lot of time into making her a character you're not just out there fighting dungeons and well if you fought an entire dungeon that would be hideous fighting <laughs> monsters <laughs> yeah it's it shit there's a dungeon coming this way stop him mazes and monsters is a far out game you can tell that a player's invested in their character and in your game world when when actually, actually, maybe not, but like, you know, I've got this brilliant story. I think it's brilliant anyway. I was going to be running, running it, but I've got this brilliant story that I've made with all these grand epic adventures and all they want to do is stay in the town and make sure that their shit's going well. Do you know what I mean? And I think that, <laughs> yeah. but at that point you can kind of tell, you know, that they care about their character. They care about all the stuff they're invested in, in their personal life. And it is important to have the moments of building your characters to make people invested. If you just did yeah. m- like face, 
faceless dungeon crawl after faceless dungeon crawl, it would be it would become fucking boring. And and it, yeah. you need to have something to spend the money on, otherwise it's worthless, literally. And it kind of brings me kind of to my next point, uh, James. You mentioned you know that you've been playing these characters for a while, and that also is is a tip. Investment in the world and in the characters it also just comes with time if, if even if you've got a character you don't like even if you're play, basically playing yourself um you i usually say about three to six episodes is when i really start to actually like dig a character and know how he ticks 100 percent. you know and yeah and it also gives you by that point it's almost like the introduction is out of the way. This is why I prefer to read longer books because the introduction, all the world building is out and then you've just got massive, massive portions of story and that's kind of the way you should treat your campaign because what you want to do is get the players into their characters, into the game world and then just all story, 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 character development and hopefully by that um, token, you know, they'll be invested in it. I feel like one of the reasons I continue doing the campaign we're doing at the moment and doing a second arc is literally because... I knew that um, you loved those characters so much, and we'd spent twenty four something, twenty something episodes building them up, and then just to leave them behind seemed like such a shame yeah. when you'd succeeded totally. and become heroes and become legends. I mean, what's the point in not using that for anything, you know? And so, sure. in a way, it's it's like payoff for all the good work you did. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll give you one one last tip, right? So first, so far we've got actually give them stuff to invest their money in, the importance of character building and downtime, and of course we've got uh, just you know play for a longer time. It helps. Um, I just kind of wanted to talk about show don't tell. This is on the surface. This can kind of seem to be a tip more about storytelling than it is about players buying into the world, but kind of what. I mean is really is instead of just saying put it this way when characters save the world from a calamity right do they really still have to pay for their burgers when they go to McDonald's you see what I mean yeah what I'm saying is is that you need to have the world react to the characters in an actually realistic meaningful ways right these characters that we've got at the moment have saved the world from a pandemic once right um, they're known heroes. They're legendary, and they're said to be the reincarnation of some legendary heroes from a hundred years before. So why would the world treat them normally, right? They're at the upper echelons of society now. People go to them for advice. But I hear about campaigns where, for example, I was in the pub the other day, and some some people were playing D and D. They were playing the Mad Mage, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and I was like, "Oh, cool. What level are you?" And um, they're like, "Level seven, dungeon level nine. And I was like, "Okay, cool." And you're still just scrabbling about in the dirt with no hirelings, risking your life for everything. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It, it just it, so this is what I'm saying. So instead of just telling them, "Oh, you're legends now," and then just plat running the game as you usually would, say you're legends now, and the world uh, make the world change because of the things they've done, things like this, and they're obviously going to be more invested because yeah. they can see the fruits of their labours unfolding well, before them. Well, one thing that keeps coming up, I keep noticing, particularly around this, is like every time we arrive back in a our town, particularly, but a neighbouring town as well, because everyone knows about our exploits and we are like heroes. You know, every time like we got off our ship the other day, and Harris is like, "Yep, everyone's clapping you and they're giving you a hero's welcome," and she's always embedding the fact that we currently, at least, are very admired by 
um, you know, citizens and populations and that. So we are obviously way more heavily invested um, in the game rather than, you know, if we just arrive and then, you know, in our minds, if it's not explained to us, it could just be dead silence. No one's there. No one gives a shit. But the fact that we've been told we get a hero's welcome, it's just like everyone's there to watch us arrive because they know we've been on the voyage for one reason or another. And it, it just makes us feel more connected to the towns, the cities, the people and the world and stuff. And also, this is a fun knock-on effect, right? Because GMs who don't like their players becoming murder hobos, if they're famous, they're probably not going to just murder anyone in cold in, in the street in cold blood. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. people know who they are. It was funny, though, the other yeah. day, um, they, they got recognised when they are on board their ship. They had a number of passengers on there. One of them was a uh, policeman called Wilkins, who spoke like this. There's been a murder aboard. And it, it was very funny. But yeah, um, <laughs> basically he recognised Stanley first. And Stanley's like this character that's, you know, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a failure. He's a knight who reports directly to the king. But he's he's a guy that is a knight directly to the king, but that could still fuck up trying to put food in his mouth or falls down the stairs. You know, he's, he's like um, a bumbling idiot. Anyway, yeah, fucking... Um, this policeman recognises him. He's like, oh my God, Stanley, can I have your autograph? And he's like, "It's a little tear comes to Stanley's eyes. He's getting a pen out. He's about to sign one of his posters. And then, then the guy notices somebody else on the team, somebody he likes a bit more. And he's like, oh my God, Grant. And just as Stanley's about to face, sign the poster, this guy just legs it and, and starts getting somebody else to sign it. Oh yeah, it was actually, it was actually, um, it was actually me. It was Dee Dee. So that was even more of a sting. Oh wife. yeah, yeah, it was his wife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but that's pretty much, that's pretty much it for my, for my tips. I think think um uh, the, the only you know changing the game world it, it goes hand in hand with make the players actions have consequences you know if they do clear even yeah. so far as if they clear out the dungeon of goblins when they're level one the neighboring village might give them a free meal and a, a bunch of food for the night or um somebody might say whenever you come back to this town you're always welcome in my house or whatever just something just fucking something man make the i don't know if you've noticed as well james but every time you go back to a new city or back back to a city, so I should say. Um, you know, I make the game world change a little bit. Something's always different, you know, um, keeping them engaged. But yeah, that's pretty much it for my tips. Um, uh, so yeah, we're talking... On the, flip, on the flip side, though, if, uh, you know, the party go into a shop and they're all a dick to the uh, guy in the shop who's just trying to make a living, um, you know, next time they go back to the shop, they might not get such nice prices. It's weird, actually, though, Nick, because I've had, I've had situations like that where... I've had the consequences for players acting like dicks, right? The guy's not going to serve them. The guy doesn't want to sell them items, this, that, and the other, right? And sometimes when the players are so bad or such murder hobos and such assholes that nobody's willing to do business with them, what have you got left? At some point, (laughs) you you know what I mean? Because I was thinking, one of the... One of my least favourite campaigns that I run, I still had had a lot of fun with it, but my Lamentations of the Flame Princess campaign, where I had, um, I had basically one very disruptive player in the group who made... It's like the guys were friendly with local law enforcement. They were friendly with, with um, local leaders and all of this, and they had so much stuff in their pocket, and one player just fucked it all up to the point where nobody would end up serving them and everyone became evil. But I don't think that was really your guys' plan. Um, and actually, no. I, th- I think this actually helped for player investment as well in the end, um, because I now have a rule yeah. in every game um, that I do where it's in p- in particular with the game we're playing at the moment, Fandal in the main town. 
that is the game. The game is about that town, mm-hmm. and it's about their character's place yeah. in it. So if you um, if you get fu- if you do stupid shit and get arrested, you're out of the game. End of story. Mm. Got you. Uh, no, yeah. Well, there you go. Because in the end, in the Lamentations campaign, I feel like players actually end up. Uh, yeah, I did consequences for all their actions, and because the players acted like players. It ended up where there was nothing left for them to do. Nobody wanted them. They even went to the worst town in the whole whole fucking place, a town called Bogtown, and that was the only place that Oi. accepted them. We loved Bogtown. I know you did. Oh, players, We absolutely man. loved Bogtown. <laughs> but yeah, I think consequences and a changing world, but make sure to put the good ones yeah. in there too, you know? Yeah, totally. But Nick, anyway, I've talked for too long. Share your tips, my, my boy. Okay, um, so yeah, first tip I've got is uh, always bring your A game. So, you know, if you can get together with your mates for four hours a week or however, you know, whenever you meet up, always try and do your best there because it's worth it and you get a lot out of it. And I think if you can make them enough effort to all get together, then it's pointless just, uh, you know, not not giving it your best when you get there. So, yeah, that would be my first one. I would always say, you know, every game always have a, have a good game. Um, mm. What else? I- yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, completely. I mean, if you turn up and you're just sort of like, so if you as a, as a GM, and personally, it's 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 fucking obvious, and it would always be obvious if you're running a game, and you are dejected and disheartened, and you're just like, you literally like you can hear it, you can hear it, and you can like, hear oh, it, and, well, and like it or lump it, it will come out in in your game if you if you're bringing a yeah. bad attitude to it. Um, I I saw a great um, essay about this in the uh, fantastic book, uh, what is it called? How to Write Adventure Modules That Don't Suck. Um, Genius Michael Curtis, I believe, that said it. And he said, said, yeah, bring your A-game, because he once had a plot twist that he was waiting for seven games to show to his players, and then the game fell apart, and they never found out the awesome plot twist. And instead, they were playing shitty episodes leading up to that. So, yeah, Yeah. very, very very good fucking point. Yep, always do your best. (laughs) Don't bring yeah, a shitty game it. because you're waiting to reveal the good thing. Just reveal the good thing now. Yeah, why not? Yeah, just have a great game. I think um, we're fortunate. Sorry to um, butt in again, but I think we're fortunate that um, the A game, in my opinion, is always brought. Like, if, you know, if you're the DM, um, speak for yourself. At the head of the table. <laughs> no, mate. no definitely right, i mean right. we'll fly for a few so yeah the other one is believe in your believe in your characters and the world obviously goes with bringing your a game i guess um be a party member you know um get to know your allies forge relationships um you know you're 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 in a band not you're not a collection of solo singers so it's always good to get a good party dynamic it's not always about your character in particular sometimes it's i don't know some of the best role-playing games that i've ever played is when i've like had a really good relationship with another player at the table with on top of the relationship in the party yeah Um, yeah yeah you're absolutely right you and james played ex-lovers once didn't you Oh mate, we've done it all, yeah. And, oh, of and course we've bloody were. That chemistry yeah. was on fire. I tell you what's yeah. really weird because having um, uh, player characters have um, an intimate relationship because that's what it was. So ex lovers and stuff, and me and Sean's character, our current husband and wife and stuff, is weird how much that plays into the game because, like, I think it's just such a, a crazy easy kind of thing for us to to sort of like just you know really bounce off and and continue it for a long lot of time i I think yeah and if if you do have a connection with another character 
chances are you like one side's not going to let the other down you're going to kind of pick each other up and and give each other little reasons to role play and yeah it will end up with your players being more invested but i guess that's a tip more for players you know if you want to fucking oh, yeah. be invested you do have to put some effort in you do have to buy into it do you know what i mean Oh yeah, 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 definitely, definitely, yeah. and then then you'll get then you'll reap the rewards. So, um, what else have we got here? So yeah, a big de- uh, definitely a good one is remember things. So just make small notes. Doesn't matter if they're tiny. Just write some stuff down because, as a player, it's really really helpful. At least if someone is, because you're often getting to a position where, if you'd remembered the one note. <laughs> that you had this item or whatever you know we've had it before when we've forgotten when we've picked up really cool stuff and like forgot we even had it and uh yeah just just try and make some notes if you're playing as a player definitely and also as a GM, that goes for gms as well um when you're when things do happen in the world yeah totally oh, yeah, um totally. I, i'm fucking terrible for making notes during a game man because I, I, the one time i tried it i couldn't read my handwriting because i was trying to write so fast and and the thing is, is the other day, for example, they they'd gone into the king's palace and they didn't know where their friend, the sea hag, had gone, and she'd sort of melded into this um, jug of water because she didn't want to get seen by the king. But then I remembered that she got taken. Well, I was reminded that she got taken there before as a party guest. So the king likes her. So I obviously forgot. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some. What else? We, what else we got here then? Um. So I put get yeah get the balance get get a nice balance between personal development and party and story development. So you know getting like like the earlier point really. Just it's nice to develop as a party, but also develop as yourself. Yeah. And uh, GMs ask the players questions about their characters and their life. Get stuff from them. You know, put them on the spot. Ask them a, a random question about what they like or what their character does. I know in their spare time or whatever, and it'll get the it'll give you ideas as well and give you cool stuff to then put in the game. Um, just as the the players will you know enjoy what you the world that you help make with them. So well, yeah, then, ask I, them I guess as well they'll get get more into it because they because you're taking an interest in their character. If all you yeah, care precisely. about is your story and you're not taking an interest in the character and making that the spotlight, then it can be a bit shitty. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I, this kind of goes hand in hand with interludes, you know, like sometimes when the characters are all sitting around that fire, ask, them who, ask one of them who wants to tell a story. Um, although it sometimes backfires. But yeah, we, we a lot of times like we've well, our players have come out of gold. They've talked about stuff that's happened in their past, goals they might have, things like this. Um, and there's plenty of tools out there to help you to do that as well. Story cubes, for example, Richard Wilcox's yeah. um, card decks you can get from D- DTRPG that all have symbols on them. Loads and loads mm-hmm. of different resources out there to help you do that. But yeah, yeah, boy, yeah, definitely. And then just the last one is yeah, just inc- just as GMs encourage player to player engagement. So you know. It's always a good thing when the when the party start getting into their own little world and you could just sit there for ten minutes watching them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but then sometimes it breaks down and people start having sex with each other and that's not what you want. Oh yeah, when, that, no, when it gets beyond the point of no return. You're absolutely like, right. I mean, we covered it already, but it's 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 the idea of you know um, just getting getting players to have interpersonal relationships. You because uh, yeah. then suddenly. Like at the moment, I'd say the main storyline is about saving the world in our game that we're playing at the moment. The sub storyline is that Stanley and Dee Dee, two of the characters, might be having a divorce because um, Dee Dee's oh, found yeah. out about Stanley's mistress, Shaniqua. Yeah. Well, at least oh, okay. Yeah. So the way that well, it's is is very complicated. But as the characters, <laughs> yes, that is Look, her thought. Yeah, pretty much. But let's not get yeah. into that. No, we won't. 
Um, so we've already shared, you know, a couple of player tips here, but um, what, what do we like to see as players when it comes to investigating, getting investigating into a world, invested <laughs> yeah. into a world? Um, I would say as a player, right? I've 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 played with uh, played in games where the GM had a story to tell, and that was it was something that they were super interested in, uh, right? Yeah, but yeah. I think I was there for that one. Yeah. Wait, which one are you talking about? I can't say, can I? Because uh, we're live on it, so I'd rather keep it shtum. Just do do like... Do, uh, okay, never mind. Right, so, but yeah, make the game interesting for your players, not you, right? It Many has the time been where I've wanted to run a deadly serious campaign, right? But I've, got, I've just got to understand my audience for my weekly game are a bunch of fucking idiots. So the point is, <laughs> is I know shit's going to get funny at some point. And I know stupid situations are going to come up because of their silly actions. And I know they're going to joke around a little bit. But the good thing is, is that we get that out of the way and then we get serious when we need to be serious. Okay, so but if, yeah. if it were all up to me and, uh, and certain campaigns, i.e. Solomon Kane, it would have been serious the whole time. But it's not about me. It's about the players. You're running it for them. So, yeah, make it interesting for them. Um, James, you got one here. Yeah, yeah. So I've got quite a few ones. And I know we've touched upon it, but um, this is sort of uh, a little bit extra. You know, intertwining stories between player characters and, and non-player characters. I think that's a really yeah. like, awesome thing to do because then you become invested with that character and therefore, you know, you know the envelope is opened and you're invested in more of it. But obviously, don't make sure it's not too many NPC versus NPC characters. Otherwise, it'll just be the DM talking to themselves. So <laughs> it's like that, um, like that meme. Have you seen it? When it's like, um, it, it says something like, "When two of my NPCs start talking to each other," and it's that image of two Spider Men pointing at each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. It's, it's good. I mean, it's, uh, I see Mr. Irwin's typing, but his level of investment that we had with his character in. Uh, D- uh, DCC actual play. Yeah, yeah actually, the, well, brilliant. the thing is, is that you can never predict the NPCs that the players are going to get interested in. And you're right, it is fucking important to any game world and to get invested. It's really fucking important for the for the players to like some of the NPCs or the NPCs to be interesting enough that they want to see what happens to them. They'll go back to town and go and see what they're up to, right? And you can never predict which one is it's going to be. The only reason I put that Daniel Irwin um, uh, character into Ravenloft was because when you guys arrived at Ravenloft, I wanted you to get attacked by skeletons, and the last one you killed was going to set, complain that you knocked his body off because I thought the idea of knocking someone's body off was funny. That's the that's the whole reason that was in there, right? <laughs> yeah. But the characters no, took a liking to him and took him along with them, and you can never predict that shit. It could be some random shopkeeper. So... I think as an addendum to what you're saying, James, yeah. don't, don't try to force your NPCs that you like in there. Just keep it to like, if if your players fall in love with an NPC and it's not one that you particularly planned, just fucking run with it, man. It can be fun. We had a talking skull on a stick go all the way through Ravenloft with them. Yeah, well, I think funny. yeah because the, the actual reason, obviously, Dan was part of it because he was, he, was he was a patron of ours and then that was the reason yeah. his name was in there. But then us as... Flipping characters, just like, yep, yeah, well, I'll just put you on the other stick and, 
you know, he was a fortunate, fortunate sponsor. Nick, eh? But Nick is one of those types that will get attached to weird things, though, as a player. Because we haven't <laughs> oh, talked yeah. about you as a player that much, but you get attached to weird things. I remember I was running an adventure called Bastion of the Boglings once, and Nick was so excited. He was like, oh, I can't wait to see them. I'm, I'm going to get a Boglin, just a little one, just a little one. I want it as a pet. And it was like, it's like little <laughs> things like that. And it's like the idea of having a talking skull on a stick, I think it was so appealing to you that, that you just oh, had to God. have it. But Dan Irwin, he oh, actually—he's yeah. just put in the chat here. He says it's amazing how many players I've run across that have no interest in making a backstory for their character. Mm. But what's that the fucking weird. point? So what? Because all right, okay. So they're just this person with absolutely—they're not interesting. They're just a fucking nobody, a machine. Just a, it's just a statue. Yeah. Mm. But I, pl- I played in games like that, man, and it was what initially sort of like made me not really like D&D but it, the trouble was I was playing with uh, the people with an average age of about 11 so that that didn't help <laughs> yeah as a player I love to see a difference of pace now the most um, recent set of campaigns have done this and by difference of pace I mean right parts of a session or entire sessions dungeon crawl combat downtime travel time puzzle riddle maze flashbacks dialogue dungeon crawl combat downtime Time. Puzzle, riddle, maze, flashbacks, dialogue, flashbacks, flashbacks. The more diverse the game sessions are, the more invested I become. Fact, 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 fact. Yeah, well, yeah, I, 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 spot on, spot on. I mean, this is the trouble. This is why I think a lot of D&D games break apart, because people think that D&D is just combat, you know, or it's just dungeon yeah. crawling. Um, and it does so Have much. And drama, why not? Yeah, we did a courtroom drama. We've just had a murder mystery. We've had a race. We've had a bloody something else. It's just fucking madness, though, isn't it? I mean, we had um, a good half a session, and that's two full hours of downtime. And it was it's sometimes the most exciting thing that's happening. And totally. it's like, Jesus. I will say this, though. If you run... Because um, I don't tend to do... Uh, I tend to have an overarching plot um but kind of have um episodic so each week that we play each week each session is its own self-contained episode as it were right Mm -hmm. and trust me if you're trying to create difference of pace and a different adventure every time we're reaching 24 adventures 24 episodes of the current campaign and it's getting bloody hard to come up with new ideas gotta tell you (laughs) boys but never mind can you Um, smell more cabals on the horizon I can see, yeah. And you, the funny thing is, Morkbog is out about the world ending. So what I'm thinking of doing is just sort of one one day when I get a little bit, little bit bored, a little bit bored of it, I'm just like, nope, run out of ideas. Hey, the world's end. Did somebody Hello. threw a magic item down the stairs, and uh, now you're all dead. Right, right. yeah, they all dead. I think that's probably about it for player investment. If there's anybody that would like to um, jump in here, we've got somebody in the chat, who's, uh, Yorkus Rex, um, who says, not every player gets invested, and your players will never be uh, in, as invested in your world as you are. This gets worse when you get older and take on more adult responsibilities. The way he's written adult in quotes there makes me think it's like adult responsibilities. He's like, I'm too busy sleeping with women, okay? So leave it out. Um, yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Okay, that's that's why I don't think, in some ways, subtlety really can be conveyed well in an RPG because they're little details. Look, the characters are just there to have fun and be interested in the world on kind of a on maybe a surface level or maybe a little bit deeper than that. They don't care about every tiny intricate detail about your fucking world. So just make it enjoyable, man. And like, 
yeah, I, fi- I do. I do find it funny when there's a the, you know you have a GM that is just they think their sto- their world or their story is so fucking interesting. You've got to do these <laughs> techniques that we've been mentioning to get players invested yeah, because because yeah, you are the most interested in your world, and you have to. It takes work to get your players interested in it. I'm sorry totally. to say, but that's that's just true. Um, no, Ace, no, he says, I like games like Dungeon World for that entire reason. Lots of cl- character, play- player-created world. Um, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, he's absolutely right. And I'd, I would like to play Dungeon World, but I would think I would miss the D20 too much. But I do have another Powered by the Apocalypse game. I've got Monster of the Week, which looks fucking awesome. And I've played Dungeon Ooh, World yeah. once, and it was really fun. It makes it like much more feel like the good parts about a book rather than the shit parts about a video game. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yorgos Rex says Monster of the Week is fucking awesome. We do need to play this, you know. Uh, Ace said that. Who? Oh, Ace, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Yeah, fucking, um, yeah, you've been watching X-Files recently, Nick, and this is, you know, Monster of the Week has got a lot in common with that oh, and I, and um, yeah. Buffy as well, which, which is shit, but, I mean, it would make a good game. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, I it think fun we, back in the day. We were going to fucking um, uh, do some uh, common mistakes and kind of point those out, but um, I think what we'll do is we'll, cu- we'll kind of leave the segment there. We've given all of our tips. It's all, And, you know, if we could summarise this in one sentence, it would be as follows. Nick? All right, okay, okay. You're there for four hours. Make it worth it and get involved. Yep, that's true. All right, so and if you could give one message to all the people of the world who are listening now, what would it be? Um, you're doing all right. Don't worry. <laughs> Beautiful. Go fuck yourself. Um, invigorating. Was that to, was, Shogun? Was, was that was that to was that to us? I, he just comes in and says, "Go fuck yourself." Was it to me or was it to the people? The people of the world. Fuck me. Fuck. <laughs> the people of the world. Uh, fuck yep. I can mm. see I can see that you've had a tough life, Shogun, um, and we love you. All right, anyway, let's go on to the next segment. Okay. Oh, no, I haven't got the jingle ready again. Oh, well done. <laughs> Shut up, you fucking fat oafs. I'm trying my hardest here. I'm sorry that I can't do it. It's, it's hardest. My hard drive takes so long to wear up, guys. Two-inch hardest. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. Mm. Well, on this very special live episode of Electro Letters, what we're going to kind of do is we are going to talk about the weirdest players we've ever played with. Me, James and Nick will add ours in, but if anyone wants to jump in now and tell us about just any weirdos that you've played with. Shogun, you've got one. Go for it. Gone. I just met me. You playing with me? Attacking me? <laughs> <laughs> that to, to be fair, yeah, uh, playing with Shogun at Dragon Meat was was a fucking experience. Because hey, we got to meet a, a listener and a fan, and he, he asked us to sign things. He was nearly crying. And um, <laughs> in, in addition to that, um, he brought some whiskey to the table. And you know when you're GMing and you're really into the game and everyone's having a laugh, and you kind of lose track of how much you're drinking. Well. <laughs> That happened. I was a fucking mess. It was so embarrassing, right? Because yes, I, I, I think I was talking to your girlfriend, Shogun, 
and I was saying something, and I, I'd said a joke or something, and then someone completely different came up to me, and I got them confused, and I just went, yeah, that's pretty funny what I said earlier, right, or something like this. It wasn't even her. It was someone else. <laughs> so that was cool. Ace, you said you've got one. Go. Yeah, uh, I commented on the Beast episode about this girl, Ella, that... Uh, oh. Probably shouldn't use her name. Anyway, this random girl. <laughs> this girl uh, who's called. This girl called Mella. There we go. Uh, there who go. <laughs> was a, in my uni RP group, and yeah, she bought in when the Beast was released. She bought in the diary and wanted to read it out to all of us. But that wasn't Shit. the only weird thing she did. You know that really bad like stereotype of nerds where when there's like a mixed gender group there's that creepy guy that always goes there with like the sex or the kind of trying to perv on the female character yep. she was the girl version of that and it made it somehow more creepy because Whoa. the rest the rest of the table was guys so it was like one girl doing the creepy guy thing with four oh, people wow. at the table and it's like oh, just no please <laughs> and yeah uh she was like the only no there were two girls but she was the only one i remember from um our university gaming group like sort of D and RPG society, but oh, it was gaming it's, with her. It was always like pick a system that she doesn't want to play. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fucking awesome. But she's like uh, her only stipulation. She's like, so um, what do you think of this game? She's like, can you suck a dude's dick in it? And you're like, well, it's not really the point of the game, but I suppose yes, you could. We're playing it then. <laughs> Give me that. Oh, she, she would have loved Fatal, I tell you. Bring oh, it. No, <laughs> fucking. The, the idea of bringing in your beast diary and reading it out to people. What yeah, the fuck? And we were like, no, you can't do it. Because the week before, she told us all about it. And we're like, no, that's a single player game. Play it by yourself. Like, we don't want to hear your diary. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like going into uni and being like, oh, great. Yeah, I had a really great wank the other day. Can I tell you all about it? Well, no. About please it on a day-to-day rundown. At I'm least sure buy me a drink first. Well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Dan Irwin says, The Alki was my weirdest one. Who was this? Is he talking about me? He better not be talking about me. I was yeah, very man. drunk. No, no. This was years and years ago. There was, I was about 15 at the time. and mm. We were part of a uh, group that used to meet on a Sunday afternoon uh, in a community centre and play for about four hours. Uh, and I was running a game for these guys. They're all like in their thirties um, when right. I was like fifteen. But there was this one guy. No, no one, no one else was drinking any alcohol. So this one guy that was in, in our group that used to just sit there with four cans of tenants <laughs> at the end of the table, and, that- and he would just sit there and just just get caned. Um, and no one else in the entire place was getting caned. And he'd just sit there, just making kind of funny noises and leering at people. He didn't really take part. Particularly, yeah, I, don't, I think he was just a tramp off the street. That was, no, that was just an excuse to get out of the house. Yeah, yeah, love. I mean, I'm in a yeah. role playing game. Great. And role play yeah. for you for a cup of tea. <laughs> Where was this? And you sure it wasn't me? It was in Penge. Ace makes a very good comment here and says that um, tenants of all things, because it's it's it is Ooh, only uh, it's only drunks that drink tenants. I mean, yeah, I think he, he might have been a sad homeless guy who just needed to be warm for four or five hours. Well, yeah, he, Dan gave him a good service. Then. So, Dan, was <laughs> yeah. he, was yeah, he yeah, a good... Hero, Dan. He, he did all right out of himself, then. I was going to say. <laughs> he got four hours of free role-playing out of you, the scum. Um, so, was he a good yeah. role-player, though, Dan? No, he was fucking horrible. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't really know what he was doing. He, he would just kind of wander in and just randomly hit things and, and shoot at stuff. And 
he didn't really seem to understand that there were other players at the table, so he, he just hit them if, if they got in his way uh, whenever but, he was doing stuff. I I've got to be honest with you, win, for, just for a win minute. One. Especially towards the end of the session after he'd had his four cans. <laughs> oh, I bet, yeah. For a minute there, I, I kind of, it took me a while for my brain to catch up because you went, he just sort of come in and hit things. I just thought, I thought you meant in real life just for a second there because I was like, <laughs> he comes in with four cans of lager and he's like, get out the fucking way and he just punches somebody and he's like, let's get some fucking goblins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, Dan, um, one of the stories kind of I, I wanted to tell was there was a, uh, there was a guy at our table that did, did a similar thing. See, if, we, we kind of expect a level of commitment from our players in our group and that they come to every session, right? But um, And so we had this guy who would turn up week after week and um, he would get so stoned that by about 9pm, so that's like two hours into the game, he wasn't. He just wasn't able to talk. His lazy eye went crazy and he looked like he was dead, right? And one time I just said to him, I just went, why do you have to get really stoned? And he went, because I like getting really stoned. That was his response. <laughs> So yeah, we he's, he we eventually had to kick him out, but um, yeah, it was really I don't know why people do it, especially if you're the only one as well. That is weird. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, you're just getting hammered, and everyone else around you is just looking for a good time. By the end of it, you can't understand what the GM is saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's worse when the GM does it though. You ever had a GM who just gets shit faced and it's like they don't remember what happened next session? Mm. All the time. <laughs> well, I, I have actually started to drink less at games because I was kind of like aware that by the end of the evening, I, I, I sort of—it's not that I didn't remember, but I, it's just like I was—I was getting munted because I wasn't keeping track of how much I was drinking. I was concentrating on the game, shouting and just go down quick, though, don't they? As well, when you're GMing, they do go down quick because you—because you're taking regular sips at it to sort of lube your mouth up as you're shouting at people for four hours, you know. <laughs> And yeah, it does exactly. go down. It does go down too quick, and often it'll be you'll get to like the end of the night, and yeah, I've had my four tenants. I've punched someone in the face. <laughs> yeah. You punch someone. <laughs> amateurs, man, amateurs. Shokin, you're seven feet tall. Drink doesn't affect you in the same way it does other people. Uh, that true. may be true. <laughs> yeah. So Yorkus Rex, you had a player that was over invested in your game. Over invested. Tell us about that. Uh oh. Yeah, this is uh, this is pretty terrible. This is in the '90s. Uh, we were playing World of Darkness, uh, Vampire nice. to be specific. Ooh. Nice. Made the huge mistake of, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you guys played yourselves as recently turned vampires? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, no one should do it ever, ever. Uh, but this guy, he was really into the game, uh, really into the lore. But it got to where the Friday night game started spilling out. And this guy's like, he would call you in the middle of the week and be like, so, uh, so what's, what's my character doing? I'm like, well, I, I don't know, man. What, what, what is your character doing? He says, I don't know. I think, uh, I think maybe I want him to go to the mall and maybe meet some chicks. I said, why don't you go to the mall and meet some chicks? <laughs> and, and it was just constantly just, uh, message after message it got to where i would avoid his calls because i'm like oh my god he's gonna call and talk about the game i don't want to talk about the game that's not but uh, that was one of the few times where i had a player who was just just overly invested too yes. much yeah that is that is a dang i know somebody actually um no they've left the call so 
that'll help you narrow it down. But I know somebody who got so so invested into a game, and it was Vampire as well. I don't know why Vampire does this to people. Sorry, I was sitting away from my mic there. Um, but yeah, I don't know why Vampire does this to people, but this guy also got so involved in the game, he was thinking it, about it as he was driving down a motorway and nearly crashed his car. So, yeah. Uh, yes, yes, that's correct, Shogun. He figured out who it was. Um, yeah, so... With this guy got over invested, what happened? What happened with him in the end? Did you continue playing the game? Um, we we played as long as we could, and it got to where more and more players were dropping out. And I was afraid it was going to uh, switch over to a a one on one game, and and as, and that sounded completely unbearable. So I said, uh, "Hey, uh, my studies have changed. I've got to get some uh, stuff done. These classes are getting harder. Uh, I'm going to have to put the game on hiatus." And by that, I mean uh, forever. <laughs> He's still on it now. <laughs> yeah. Do, uh, he still gets like yeah, I bet you still get the occasional email from him. He's like he's like, look, it's been four years. We've had no updates, man. What's my character doing right now? Did, did he succeed with those chicks in the mall? Oh, he uh, he absolutely brings the game up anytime I run into him, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll eventually get back to gaming. <laughs> By the way, that this was th- this was 1993. <laughs> oh my dude, come on, he's, he's still waiting. He's still, still thinking waiting. about it. He's no, he still hasn't set foot in a mall for, in real life to this day. I've got good weird. Yeah, I go can, for uh, it, man. Go on. Go on. Sure you guys will all know, but um, <clears throat> the, uh, the 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 uh, it's got to be the chicken nugget crown. Yeah, yeah. Phil, Phil, and I know this is terrible. I know what I'm about to say is terrible. Bear in mind, this is a story he told me. Phil is extremely. Uh, he's a lovely bloke, and he's a guy that often games with us. But um, he's half Indian and looks like Daniel Radcliffe. So um, his nickname in school that everyone calls him was Curry Potter. <laughs> oh, dear. oh dear! But yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He's a lovely guy. But he was like, "What do you, what do you want for snacks?" And I was like, "Oh, I love chicken. Well, chicken nuggets are pretty good." And he must have got like a fifty pack and arranged them in such a beautiful display. On but that actually, plate. actually, like, gaming at his house. Gaming at his house. Actually, he wasn't called Phil. I better say this now. He wasn't called Phil. Actually, he was called something else. But um. When I was gaming at Phil's house, um, it was really weird because when we gamed there once, and this is kind of a weird situation more than a weird player, but we kind of said, uh, he goes, right, guys, come around mine. We'll, I'll uh, run a one-shot. We'll play together, this, that, and the other. My parents are going to be out. Um, he's a fair bit younger than us. And um, so his uh, his mum was out in so far as she was out of the room. And by that, I mean in an adjacent room where we could see her legs by the door as she was sitting there listening, listening to the game while we played. And he said something and he started doing a Welsh accent because his character was Welsh. And we just heard her go <laughs> from the other room. We're like, I hate this. This is so awkward. I was on edge. Yeah, it was. And, it, and the first time I met his dad as well, he tried to come on to me in a game, which was fucking weird. In character, right? Yeah, and I'd only known him for five minutes. And my the way Phil's kind of sold the game to me, he said, oh, yeah, we just play for shits and giggles. We don't take it seriously at all. So I made an orc who wore sunglasses called um, Punch Face Jones. And then his <laughs> his his character, um, were, like, as soon as she saw me, right, I just I, I turn up to this town, I see these guys, we're going to start doing some shit together. He sees me, and he clocks eyes, and he's just like, ooh, I'd love to see what's under that loincloth, Punch Face. And it was just like, mate, I've known you for 30 seconds and you're twice my age. Cut it out. Hey, mate. Yeah, but as, as Nick was talking about the, the, the chicken nuggets, uh, if you remember correctly, it was at my house. This oh, is yeah. going to be. This is about to be the second time that you've complained about how much of your sauce he used for the chicken nuggets <laughs> five years ago. Yeah. It wasn't that because yeah yeah he did use it a lot, but it was that um, 
He was sort of just like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing the snacks. It's like, yeah, all right, okay, use my oven or, you know, whatever. I, I don't care about that. But then I was just like, all right, cool. Don't worry, I'll, I'll sort it out. And he gets started, his fucking plates. And then he, the arrangement of the nuggets, mate, he, he spent a good 10 minutes in the kitchen. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? And then mm. he comes out and he's arranged the nuggets in like a pyramid bloody like thing. It's just like, what has happened? No, you wouldn't want that in Corona times. Been touching my nose. No, it's different. It was a different world back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what and what a beautiful world it was. But James, have you got any other um, weirdos that you've played with? And if you say me, I'm going to slap you silly. Yeah, but you can't because I'm not there. So you. No, there I'll is, get uh, you. I will get you. There was a there was a lovely person um, who arrived at a place that I was at with Harrison. I'm trying to make it unknown, but I'm sure we've spoken about it before. But anyway, they turned up to a table, and this is a subscription-based game because it was some type of convention. Um, and they just arrived and sort of sat down and just like, yeah, weren't expecting you. Like, you know, what's this guy doing? Um, and then it was just very, very dry and a bit awkward, sort of like, um, sort of sit there, and then we'd it'd sort of be quite silent but very interested and for all intents and purposes a very very good role player and really remembered what had happened so they're a really good source of well this is uh, an example of another good weird because before the game me and james were looking at each other like oh my god what have we got ourselves into because the guy was it was just a stream of consciousness he wouldn't stop talking and he was he he sat down at a table and he goes hey guys can i play i've just been up there nothing though wasn't it yeah, he was, was just, just like, I've, nothing. I've just been up there. I got given some free stickers. Stickers. I love stickers. You like pot stickers? I like dumplings too. You ever eat Chinese food? I love Chinese food. <laughs> just weird shit. And he just wouldn't stop. And we were trying to talk to him and he wouldn't stop. Then the game started and he shut up and he was a fucking great role player. And yeah. he pretty much carried the team as well. He's a good player too. Like, But nice. it's just, yeah. he was so, and then as soon was... as the game ended, it was like back on. He was like, okay, I rode on a motorbike yeah. once. Do you like motorbikes? I, I used to I used to have a motorbike, but I don't anymore. Also, I've been to France. You've been to France? It was just like, oh man, it was super weird. There's also the kind of, there was jokes that had happened and he kind of look, process it, stare at you like through your soul and then laugh. And it was just like, what? It was like he was checking oh, it was okay. <laughs> But yeah, fucking. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've got one more, and this is just to gross out the listeners here. But um, I run oh, a convention. Yeah. Well, we run a convention each year, Savage Con, and this this year it was online. And thankfully, because the previous year we noticed that one of the GMs was picking scabs off his head and eating them. <laughs> oh, mate! Actually, it's, it's terrible because I remember I pointed this out. I was the one who pointed this out. I went, guys, guys. Please, I haven't had that much to drink, but I fucking, I'm not going mental, am I? I've just seen this. Can you confirm it? And then I was like, I'm never not going to see it ever again. And it's like, James, why the fuck did you tell me? Like, they're now, they're now like forever I'm gross. I've got to be, be honest. Like, yeah, I was genuinely I was not annoyed at you, but I was annoyed that now I can't unsee it. Because the whole time we was fucking running, I was going to say Rippers. He was running Rippers. Anyway, well, that sort of identifies him. I'll believe that. Right, no. anyway, point is, is that, yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop seeing him just doing it. He just, he, he looked like a little lizard. You know where the tongue comes out and it goes, nip, like that. And it's like, it gets the thing. He would like pick his head a little bit and then just go, nip, and sort of lick it out of his fingers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yorkus Rex says, did scab head use too much of your sauce? I don't know what he means by that, but I like it. No. I don't know. I need some barbecue with this, uh, with this head scab. Yeah, he, um... <laughs> He also went outside and prayed in Latin as well, which I don't know if that's weird, but it's certainly something re- like worth re- remarking on. No, no, no. He sat. He sat at the table. 
Oh. He sat at the table with his fucking... With his, with his fucking Sainsbury's meal deal. Yes, boy. Um, all right, so has anyone anyone in the chat got any more stories about weirdos they'd like to share? Because I know we've met a lot in this hobby. Your silence says it all, dear listeners. Well, shall we do an outro in that case? Ooh. All right. Uh, give me a second. I just need to load up the jingle again. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, we don't need a jingle for an outro, do we? But I usually like to insert some sort of funny clip. Well, the Penguins have made it. And they're going up against the Golden Knights. Flippity flappity. <laughs> there we go. That'll do. All right. Well, um, I just I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who came in and everyone that contributed. Um, sorry if this one's been a bit of a mess, but what the fuck do you expect? It's episode sixty nine. Um, yeah. So uh, this time I don't I don't reckon we'll we'll plug anything here. But we kind of we kind of taken the episode sixty nine to be our sort of celebration episode because it's gonna be fucking ages till we get to one hundred. So we we thought thought this is a funny number. Okay. Yeah. So so there's that. Um, anyway. It's good stuff. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. If you uh, liked this, don't forget to donate on Patreon and, and make it a lot of money, please. Because no more fucking around. All right? Because I'm sick of your shit. All right, you freeloading fucks. Um, that's it. I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been Nick Lambslice. I've been James Clark. Oh, mate. And remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds. Now that's a good time.